0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, praise the Lord. A lot of exciting things happening right here at Christian Family Church. Well, friends, wherever you're watching from, I'd like to ask you to stand and we're gonna open up in prayer. And while you're doing that, I wanna take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the great privilege of being able to teach the Word of God this evening. So let us pray. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight and we remind ourselves that without you, we can do nothing. We thank you that you are a good God. And as we spend time in your word this evening, I pray that every ear is open to hear, every heart is ready to receive and every life will change as a result of your word. We are careful always to give you alone all the praise, the honour and glory for what shall be accomplished by your word this evening. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Well, you may be seated family. We're gonna get straight into it this evening. Now, I just wanna let you know, I'm gonna be teaching the Word of God this evening. So I've got a lot to cover. I'm gonna get into it, keep my head down to get through it because I want you to walk away equipped this evening. Well, as you know, we have been uh, following a theme this month called Fresh Start. And I thought that it would be good to refresh ourselves so that we can learn how to always win in a battle. So I wanna paint a picture for you. Let's just imagine that you decided you wanted to join the army. You wanted to be part of the military. And so you rocked up at the training camp, you arrived there and you were in your shorts and a t-shirt and some flip flops. And the commander of the, of the unit said, great to have you with us. Okay, there's a battle on right there. Out you go, go for it, go fight the war. You would look at him and say, but I'm not trained. I'm not equipped, you haven't given me anything, you haven't trained me. That would be crazy to go and fight under those conditions, right? Well, what I believe is probably worse is the same person joining the army, getting trained, getting fully equipped, being given all the equipment you need, your weapons, your protective gear, all of that ready. And then when the commander says, there's the battle on, let's go out and fight, you run out there, but you leave your equipment behind or you only go out with some of that equipment, you will never be effective that way. And you see church, many Christians are like that. They gang out into a battle, either not prepared at all, or leaving their equipment behind. And they wonder why they're not having victory in this life. And so that brings me to the title of my message. There's a war at your door. There's a war at your door. You see family, we are living in times that are very different. I'm sure you'll all agree with me. No one's lived through these times. Many questions have been asked. People in the church are asking, how do we win in these circumstances? Well, we as a church wanna equip you and help you. And we're gonna do that this evening. So get a notepad, get a pen and let's go for it. You see family, as children in God's kingdom here on earth, we find ourselves involved in a war with an organized opposing kingdom that is ruled by Satan. And the battleground, on which this war is being fought is the minds of humanity. It's in the minds of people. Satan has built up strongholds of prejudice and unbelief in the minds of people to keep them from receiving the truth of the gospel. That's what he's done. Our God given task is to break down these strongholds and in doing so releasing people from Satan's deception and bring them into submission and obedience to Christ. Our ability to achieve this God-given task depends mainly on two things, mainly on two things. First, that we see clearly from scripture that on the cross, Jesus totally defeated Satan on our behalf and now it's our responsibility to demonstrate that victory that Jesus has won. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, that we make proper use of the necessary spiritual weapons that God has provided for us. These spiritual weapons fall into two main categories, weapons of defense and weapons of attack. So those are the two. We're gonna start off this evening by looking at the weapons of defense. And so what I wanna do, we're gonna read from our theme scripture this evening, which is found in Ephesians chapter six. And we're gonna read from verses 10 through to 17. And we're gonna be speaking this evening about the armor of God, what you need to win in the battle. So let's read from verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God. I wanna get your attention here for a moment. Yeah, the Bible says, put on the full armor. It didn't say it just jumps on you because you're a believer. You have to put it on. Just because you gave your heart to the Lord doesn't mean this armor is on you. Yeah, Paul is telling us to put it on. Why should we do that? Well, he goes on to tell us, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You see, family, yeah, Paul is telling us, if you don't put this armor on, You cannot stand firm. We need the armor to succeed. Let's move on. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, now Apostle Theo has always taught us this, whenever you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. So Paul is saying, because of what I've just told you about this war, this struggle, this fight that's against the wickedness, against darkness, because of that, he says, take up the full armour of God. Yeah, we see a second time. Paul telling us once again, you have to take it up. It's not on you automatically. Take up the full armour of God. Well, why should we do that once again? so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, stand firm. So family, without that armor, how can we resist? Without that armor, we're not gonna be able to stand. So it is imperative that we know it and wear it. Verse 14, now we're gonna look at the pieces of equipment. Stand firm, firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So yeah, God is telling you, you can extinguish all those flames, not some of them, if you know how to use this equipment. And verse 17 says, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So family, we see that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We are involved in this life and death struggle with the evil forces of Satan's kingdom and we owe it to ourselves. And God's word requires it of us to put on the full armor of God. This is important. It is significant that twice in this passage, Paul said, put on or take up, put on or take up the full armor of God. We have been clearly warned by scripture that we must protect ourselves with the armor of God. So this is required in order to win. Paul is also saying this. He is not questioning whether we will have challenges or not. Paul's not saying, well, you might have problems, you might not have problems. No, he's saying they're coming. It's not an option, but a certainty. I think of the parable where Jesus shared in the book of Luke about the wise and the foolish man. And in that parable, you know the story where the wise man, what, built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand and the challenges came and the foolish man house collapsed. The difference between these houses was not the tests. Listen to me. They both faced the same test. They both faced the wind, the rain, the storm and the flood. And in fact, Luke didn't say, in the book of Luke, it didn't say, if it comes, he said, when the flood comes. They both faced the same challenges, the wise and the foolish. The difference was the foundation on which they were built. Just the foundation. We need to have a solid foundation. We need to have an understanding of what God requires us to do. Nothing in scripture indicates family that a Christian will escape these tests. And because of that, we must be prepared to go through it. Because of this, Paul said, put on the full armor of God. Paul takes this picture of the armor from Roman soldiers of his day, and he lists the six pieces. Let's go through them again quickly. The girdle of truth, some translations say, a, 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 the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of preparation of the gospel, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Now, family, you will see that when you clothe yourself with these six pieces of equipment, you are fully uh, protected from the top of your head all the way to the soles of your feet, with one exception, with one exception. There is no protection for your back. And we're gonna look at that a little later. So remember that, We're gonna come back to that in a moment. So let's start. Are you ready with the, the girdle of truth? The girdle of truth. The first item of equipment is the girdle of truth. We must understand why a Roman soldier would need a girdle as part of his equipment. Well, in those days, both men and women's clothing usually was a loose garment that came at least around to their knees. In the case of a Roman soldier, It was a kind of a tunic. Now, when the soldier was required to do something active, such as fight or use his weapons, he would need to take care of that loose garment. If he did not, the flaps and folds would hinder his movement and prevent him from using the rest of his equipment effectively. That's super important because that would get in the way. So the first thing he had to do was tie his girdle tightly around his waist in such a way that the tunic no longer flapped freely and could not hinder his further movements. This was essential and it was the basis of everything else. That is why Paul mentioned the girdle of truth before he spoke about anything else. Paul said the girdle for us is truth. That is truth in daily living, family. You see, we need to understand it means honesty, sincerity, openness, and frankness. Many things Christians say and do are not really meant. But we say them only because they sound good. Almost every religious group has its own particular cliche. For example, Jesus will help you, brother. Well, family, sometimes that is just a cop-out because it's not Jesus who needs to help the brother. We need to help the brother. And religious talk like that is just like loose garments, hanging garments. It gets in the way of of us and prevents us from doing the kind of thing that God asks us to do. It prevents us from being active, energetic, effective Christians. It also prevents us from using the other items of equipment. We are required, first of all, to put on the girdle of truth, we must put away shame, hypocrisy, religious cliches, and sayings and doing things that we do not mean. If there is no truth, the rest of what we have is built on nothing. We need to be people that are honest and truthful. Let's have a look now at the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of a Roman soldier, above all else, protects one absolutely vital organ of the human body, and that's the heart. It protects the heart. The Bible says that the heart is very important in our lives. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, that sounds like this is important, right? Above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. Your heart, family, affects everything you do. What we have in our heart ultimately ultimately determines the course of our life for good or bad. It is essential that we protect our hearts from all kinds of evil. You see, Paul spoke about the breastplate of righteousness as a protection of the heart. We must ask ourselves what is meant by righteousness then in this context. Fortunately, Paul spoke about this theme again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, and this is what he said. But since we are of the day, Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. So Paul gives us another angle here. Here Paul explains the breastplate from another point of view. He calls it the breastplate of faith and love. If we put these two passages together, the breastplate of righteousness is a breastplate of faith and love. This tells us the kind of righteousness that Paul had in mind when he was speaking about this. It is not the righteousness of works or religious law, but it is the righteousness that comes only by faith. Paul spoke about this kind of righteousness again in Philippians 3 verse nine. And this is what he says. He says, that I may be found in him, that's Christ, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, church, as long as we are wearing a breastplate that is simply our own righteousness, the things we think we've done to be good, the things we think we've done to earn this right standing, Satan can find many weak points in that and can often penetrate it with his attacks and damage our heart. We must put on the breastplate that is not our own righteousness, but righteousness of Christ. This kind of faith that we are talking about works only through love. Galatians 5, 6 says this, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Think about that for a moment. Love is irresistible. It always conquers. There is no way it can be defeated. Love protects us from all negative forces like resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, discouragement and despair. And uh, that can corrupt our hearts and spoil our lives. Remember all that there is in this life comes from love. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave us his son, amen. When you have on the breastplate of faith that works by love, it will always protect you. It will keep your heart from every attack and attempt of Satan to penetrate that vital area of your heart. You see family, when I'm walking in love, when I have that best breastplate on, I have no unforgiveness. I have no animosity. I'm loving people irrespective of what they're doing. That's how the breastplate protects us. Let's quickly have a look at the shoes of the preparation of gospel. Now the Roman soldiers usually wore these shoes And they were very, very strong, heavy sandals with leather straps to keep them in place. And they usually fastened them about halfway up their calf to keep them nicely firm and in place. They were a very important part of the soldier's equipment because they enabled him to march long distances at speed. This gave him mobility. It made him available to his commander at the time and place where he was needed in battle. The key here is availability and mobility. This is also true of the spiritual component of our equipment that Paul spoke about. The shoes or the sandals are called the preparation of the gospel. In other words, family, it means being ready with something. As Christians, we are obligated to have an intelligent understanding of the gospel. I believe the word preparation includes study of Scripture, memorization of Scripture, and the ability to communicate clearly the gospel message. Notice also Paul called it a gospel of peace. It is a gospel that produces peace of heart and mind in those who believe it and obey it. And as children of God, we must be ready at all times to share our faith, to tell people about Jesus, so that the peace of God Can come upon them. And in these times, they need that peace. So those shoes means we are ready at any time to share the gospel. Now looking at the shield of faith, in the Greek of the New Testament, there are two different words for shield. One is a circular small shield. The other one is a long rectangular shield and is taken from the word for door because it is shaped somewhat like a door. I'm sure you've seen some of those gladiator movies or those different movies from back then. The soldiers of the time had these big rectangular shields, not small shields, big rectangular shields that looked like a door. This is the kind of shield Paul spoke of when he said the shield of faith in verse 16. A properly trained Roman soldier could use that shield so that no part of his body could be reached by the missiles of the enemy. This is the kind of faith Paul was speaking about when he referred to it as a shield. You see, when we go out against Satan and begin to cause him trouble, you can be sure he's gonna want to want to counterattack. We must have a shield big enough to protect everything that God has made us responsible for, including ourselves, our family, and everything God has committed to us. Faith, is indicated twice in this portion of scripture in the armor in verses 14 and 16. The breastplate in verse 14, the faith and love, and the shield, which is the shield of faith in verse 16. Now each use of faith must be understood slightly differently, family. The breastplate is faith in our own personal righteousness, but the shield, is faithful protection and provision for ourselves and all that God has committed us to. So we quench those fiery darts with the shield. That's our faith to protect us. That's what the shield does. Let's quickly have a look at the helmet of salvation. This fifth item of equipment, which is the helmet of salvation. In dealing with the breastplate, we saw that the breastplate protects the heart. Now that we are looking at a helmet, we can see that it protects the head, and the head represents the mind. Amen? In effect, we are talking about a helmet that protects our minds. As I said previously, the battlefield that this spiritual war is being fought is the minds of people. That's where it's being fought. Because the mind is the battlefield, it is obvious that we need to be particularly careful to protect our own minds. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says this, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a an helmet, the hope of salvation. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. When we read that phrase, the hope of salvation, we see that the protection for the mind is hope, but the protection for the heart is faith. People often get these mixed up. Biblical faith is in the heart, Romans 10.10. What does that say? With the heart, man believes unto salvation, but protection of the mind is hope. Let me explain further. We need to see the connection between faith and hope. As we read in Hebrews 11 verse one, it says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the underlying basic reality on which hope is built. When we have a valid faith, then we have valid hope. When we have a real foundation of faith, we can build a valid hope, which is the protection of our minds. Church, a simple definition for hope, according to Scripture, is this. Listen carefully. Hope is a quiet steady expectation of good based on the promises of God's word. Let me read that to you again. Hope is a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promises of God's word. Isn't that amazing? That is the protection of the mind. Hope is an optimistic attitude that always chooses to see the best and will not give way to depression, doubt, and self-pity because we're always in hope. There is one significant basis of hope in the Word of God and it's found in Romans 8, 28. And this is what it says. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. If we really know, if we really know that everything that happens in our lives is being worked together by God for our good, then there never is a reason for doubt. If I know that God is gonna work this out for my good, how can doubt ever enter into my mind? It's not possible. Every situation is always a reason for hopefulness. Hopefulness is the helmet. While we keep it on, our minds are protected against all Satan's attacks of doubt discouragement, self-pity, mistrust, and so on. Now, there are a number of scriptures in the New Testament all dealing with hope. I don't have time to read through them. I'm just gonna give you three references. You can write them down and read them at home. And there's many more. Romans 8.24, Ephesians 2.12, and Colossians 1.27. You can check those out at home. We need to keep on hoping, family. Do not give up hope. Be an optimist. It is the protection of the mind. You see, if doubt creeps into the mind and we believe that, then we are defeated. That's why we believe the promises of God and they keep hope alive. Let's now have a look at the sword of the spirit. This is the final portion of this armor. There is one thing that distinguishes the sword from the other five items that we have looked at. The sword is the first item that is not purely defensive. Without it, we have no way to drive off the devil. If we put on all the other items, we may be able to prevent the devil from actually wounding us, but we cannot drive him off. The only thing in this list that can do that is the sword, which is called the word of God. You see family in Revelation 1 16, John had a vision of Jesus in his glory as the Lord of the church one of the things he saw was a sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Let's read that. It says, in his right hand, he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. That sharp double-edged sword is the word of God coming out of the mouth of Jesus. That's what it is. Since it is um, indicated in scripture that Jesus himself uses the word, which is the sword of God, Let's look at just how he did it. Let's find out how Jesus did that. The clearest picture of this is found in the gospel of Matthew, which describes the temptations of Jesus by Satan in the wilderness. Every time Jesus encountered Satan personally, the only weapon he used against him was the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So let's read that in Matthew 4 from verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to to the holy city All this I will give you, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now, family, here are some interesting things about this passage we've just read. First, listen to this. Neither Jesus nor Satan ever questioned the authority of Scripture. Isn't that remarkable? They both knew the authority of those words. Second, the basis of every temptation against Jesus was a temptation to doubt. Every time Satan began with the word if, he called something into doubt. And thirdly, Jesus did not change his method of dealing with Satan, but always used the same weapon of the word of God against him. It is written, it is written, It is also written. We must know scripture well and must know how to apply scripture if we are going to be able to handle the devil. Jesus did not answer the devil with theology or saying he was a member of any specific religious group. He did not tell the devil which church or synagogue he attended or which pastor had taught him. He always went to scripture. It is written, it is written, it is also written. After the third thrust of that sharp double-edged sword, Satan backed off and he had enough. And you and I are given the privilege of using the same weapon that Jesus used. If it worked for him, it's gonna work for you. We must take up the sword, family. We have to take it up. The Holy Spirit will not do that for us. But when we take the sword in faith, then the Holy Spirit will give us the power and wisdom to use it. Family, you must know the Word of God. It's imperative. I wanna come back to that unprotected area that I spoke to you about at the beginning. You know that obviously once we have the full armor on from head to toe, we are covered. The only area that's unprotected is our back. Now I believe that is very significant and has a twofold meaning. First, never turn your back on the devil. Because if you do, you are going to give him an an opportunity to wound you in an unprotected area. In other words, never give up. Never turn around and say, I've had enough. I can't stand it. I can't take it anymore. That is turning your unprotected back to the devil. And you can be sure that he will take advantage of that opportunity and wound you. We never speak death, we never retreat. The reason the back is not covered is because God never intended us to turn and run. He always intended us to go forward, amen? The second thing is this, we are not always able to protect our own back. The Roman soldiers fought in close ranks. They were trained to fight this way and they never ever broke rank. Every soldier knew the soldier on his right and on his left so that if he was being hard pressed and could not protect his own back, there he would have other soldiers around him to help him. I believe the same is true for us as Christians. You see family, we cannot go out in isolation to take on the devil's kingdom. We must come under discipline, find our place in the body, which is the army of God and know who stands on our right and on our left. Then when we are under pressure, we know who will be there to protect us. And I wanna encourage you, a way to to, to live this is to be in a group, be part of a fellowship group here at Christian Family Church, be part of the team serving the kingdom of God. By doing that, you have people around you so that your back is never exposed and you're always protected, amen? And so with that, I wanna give you some next steps. What are the next steps we can do as a church? Well, you would have seen in church news, that we're starting a brand new curriculum which is called ASK. It stands for Ask, Seek and Know. What a great curriculum. This is a way for us to exercise these spiritual weapons that we've been taught on. That we can go forward, that we cannot stand and or, or retreat but move forward. I want to encourage you be part of it. Get involved. If you're not in a group at all friend, get hold of the church. Text groups to 4991. Go to the website or or send an email to groups at cfcsa.co.za. Tell us you want to be a part of a group. You want to be part of this awesome curriculum. I'm encouraging you. Let's fight together. We will win. Amen. If you say, hey, I would like to maybe host one of those groups. Well, you're welcome to. Next Saturday, the 23rd, we are doing leadership training online. You can register on the church website or go to the church center app and you can register there under events. Now, obviously... To do that, you need to have completed growth track. So if you've done that and your team ready, then you're welcome to host one of those groups in your home. Even if you wanna do it just with you and your family, you're welcome, come and do the training, get ready, get equipped, and you can move forward as a soldier in God's army. Amen. Well, I wanted to encourage you with that. We're gonna take our next steps together. We're gonna be part of this curriculum. It's gonna be great. We're getting the leaders ready so you can join, be a part of it. If you're a current leader in the system, get hold of your past and say, I wanna do that curriculum in my group and let's be a part of it. Let's move forward in the army of God and put the devil in his place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, family, we've come to the most important part of this service. So wherever you are streaming this from, I wanna give you an opportunity today to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. If you have never invited Him into your heart to come and save you, to rescue you, this is your opportunity. I wanna pray a simple prayer with you that you can know for sure once you've prayed this prayer that you've been right standing with God. If you've drifted away and your heart's cold and you wanna come back to the Lord, allow me to include you in this prayer, friend, and you can come back and be in that relationship once again with the Lord. So wherever you are right now, at the sound of my voice, if you want me to pray for you, just simply raise your hand And say, I want to be prayed for. Now pray this prayer with me wherever you are. Say this, dear heavenly father, I come to you today just as I am. Please forgive me for every sin. I do believe that Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead. And today I'm part of his family. I choose to forgive everyone that has hurt me or offended me. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm part of your army today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners,